I want to begin this morning by first of all thanking you for your prayers and for your thoughtfulness to me and to my family, particularly over the last couple of weeks. Most of you know that we took some vacation time. We had planned on taking a trip out west for a couple of weeks, but it didn't quite work out the way we had anticipated, and we ended up trying, uh, staying around here and uh, just trying to do some things a little bit more locally. Uh, I like to take pictures, as most of you know, and uh, so I brought a picture with me here today. A couple of days we spent at uh, the Starved Rock area while we were uh, taking some time off, and we walked on the hiking trails there. Um, There's uh, supposed to be a lot of waterfalls and rivers. Um, Most of them had dried up because of the lack of the rain that we've experienced over the last couple of months, but this is one of the waterfalls that actually has a little bit of water in it. It's in Matheson State Park. It's a very beautiful area if you ever get the chance to go there. But uh, while we were on vacation, uh, we did a bunch of things closer here to home that we often don't do and or get to do because we're typically busy doing other things. But just so thankful to spend some time together as a family. Thankful for all of you who stepped up around here in order to make things possible for us to take some time to go away, and I know Pastor Eden is not here today uh, to hear this, but he's also on a much-deserved family vacation. The songs are doing some things that they didn't plan on doing while they were going to be on vacation, but that's okay. But uh, I'm particularly grateful for Pastor Eden for preaching while I was gone, for doing things around the office, just kind of keeping everyday life at the church going. The fact is that we are really blessed as a church to have each other, to be on mission with the Lord right here on the south side of Chicago. And so again, I just want to thank you Uh, from the bottom of my heart. You are such a blessing to myself, my family. Uh, We love you guys. Well, I want to invite you to grab a Bible with me this morning, or you can open that Bible app if you will, but join me in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be at today, and we're going to be focusing in on verses 25 and following as we continue on in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Again, I want to remind you of this scene. We have a picture of this, but Jesus sat down on the hillside that sloped up from the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And as he sat down there among the grass and the flowers of the fields, I'm sure they could also hear the waves that were crashing up against the side of the shore in the background. But there there is this large crowd of people kind of listening to him as he talked about the kingdom of God, particularly the priorities of the kingdom, how we need to have our priorities aligned with the priorities of God's kingdom. And so here, as Jesus spoke, there are these different sections that, uh, that make up what we call the Sermon on the Mount. But in this particular section, he is talking broadly about materialism, about how we as his disciples should consider material things. We saw this last couple of weeks in the section that uh, Pastor Eden took us through and talked about when he talked about uh, storing up treasures in heaven where they're going to last, rather than storing up treasures here on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But but Jesus takes this subject a little further here, and we want to pick it up beginning in verse 25. You can look at what Jesus says there, and um, I'm going to read it. Here's what it says. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, 
or about your body what you will put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, the first thing that I want you to notice here is that Jesus begins by saying, Therefore, I tell you. The, the, the word therefore indicates that he is continuing on with the thought from the previous section. And what did he speak about before? Well, Jesus taught his disciples about what we need to do in regards to material things. The number one, we must value heavenly treasures more than earthly treasures. Number two, we need to recognize that our hearts and our treasures are going to go hand in hand. That where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. And number three, we need to recognize that we cannot serve both God and materialism. We cannot serve both God and our bank accounts, our net worth, our cars, our homes, and all of these other material things. That's what we talked about last week. Now, as Jesus continues on, he's saying that not only are those things not enough for us to live our lives after, they're also not enough for us to worry about. And isn't that exactly what he tells us here in verse 25? Do not be anxious about your life. Don't be tangled up in worrying about the things of this world because your life is more than these things. Look at how he says it at the end of verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? It's a rhetorical question, isn't it? The answer is yes, your body is more than food that you put in your mouth. It's more than what, what the, the things that you drink. Now, I know that you're all super careful about making sure that everything that you eat is organic and super healthy. And... You go to all of these great lengths to make sure that you have the most gourmet, foodie, fashionable things. But even with all of that, your life is more than the food that you eat. Your body is more than the clothing that you put on your back. Listen, as strange as it might seem, I I love to go shopping. I love to go to the mall. I love to buy clothes. I, I love to look at clothes. I find it kind of relaxing. I I find it somewhat therapeutic to go shopping. I like to wear nice things if I have the money to do it. And uh, the body, though, is more than just the clothes that I put on my back. And so Jesus addresses food. He addresses clothing here. But as I read this, I wonder if Jesus might add something else to this list, specifically if he was directly speaking to us today. If he were speaking to us today, I wonder if he might say something like this. Is not life more than what you do to entertain yourself? Because I see that as another way that materialism in our materialistic age really impacts the modern world today. That, that we seem to be obsessed with entertaining ourselves. And Jesus would say to us again, listen, your life is more than that. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Jesus is not saying that it is wrong to put food in your mouth. He is not saying that it is wrong to drink something. I would bet that most of you probably have eaten something this morning. And I don't know if it was good for you or not. And I I, I would bet that probably many of you drank something this morning. Maybe it was a strong cup of coffee. Maybe it was some tea. Maybe it was something else. Everyone seems to be clothed here this morning. Praise God for that. Jesus is not saying that it is wrong to eat or to drink or to put clothes on your back. 
What he is saying is understand that life is more than those things. Now, why did Jesus have to tell us these things? Well, we live in a world and in the culture around us and sometimes inside of us, we, we just want to be satisfied by these lesser things. We, we want to be satisfied with meaning and finding significance and pleasure and joy in life in what we eat and in what we drink and what we put on our backs. And, and I'm telling you right now, you were made for more than that. God has made you as a spiritual being and not just as a material being. And so don't just live your life in the material level. Notice that Jesus says you are more than all of those things. Life is more. Life is more. If you live like these are the highest matters of life, that what you eat and drink and wear are the most important things, then you are going to be placing very little value on spiritual things, on your spiritual life. Now, once we put things in the right perspective, what does Jesus say? Well, he says, do not be anxious Don't worry, because your life is more than the material things and and, and interests that you might have. You, You don't have to worry. Now, there's a difference between godly, responsible concern and worry and anxiety. But sometimes this is very blurry and very difficult to know, isn't it? A lot of times we try to justify our worry by saying... Oh, I I just have this godly concern about that. But then we look at other people around us and we say, Hey, why do you worry so much? You see, it is very easy for us to fail to see the sin of worry in our own lives, but to notice it very quickly in other people's lives because our natural response is to think, Hey, you know what? I'm just trying to be responsible here, but you, you are worrying. Listen. I want to ask you to do something here, not just right now, but throughout the remainder of this message today and even later on today when you go home. I want you to seriously talk to God and to ask him to show you if worry and anxiety is a legitimate problem in your life. For some of you, maybe you already know, you know that you worry, not just about material things, but you actually worry about everything. And maybe you're even listening to this uh, this morning and you are convinced that there is no other way to live your life, that you just have to worry, you have to do it. Well, Jesus is going to say something about that too. We're going to get to that later on at the end of the message today. But for all of us here today in general, what does Jesus say? He says, your life is more than the material things that you worry about. Do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. You see, this ungodly, untrusting sense of worry often comes across as being responsible. But what Jesus says to us here is this, that we are to put more concern on spiritual things and less concern on material things. Now, Jesus is our Lord, Jesus is our Savior, and he has the right to say to us, listen, do this because I told you to do it. And... If he said, do it because I said so, that would be reason enough for us to obey him and do what it is that he has said. But Jesus loves us. He cares for us more than that. And so starting in verse 26, Jesus begins to lay out these very reasonable and very thoughtful reasons as to why we should not worry. 
You say, well, Jason, I mean, uh, I, I see why it is so easy for Jesus to say, don't worry. I mean, after all, he has all power and all authority and he is the son of God. Me? You know what? I'm just trying to figure things out. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make it through the next day. Why shouldn't I worry? Well, Jesus is going to give you the answer beginning in verse 26. Look at what it says there. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So first of all, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father feeds them. God provides for the birds. God takes care of them. I've never seen a soup kitchen for birds. I've never seen birds begging for food. Now, I will say this, that last week I took the kids downtown, and I wish I would have had a video or something to be able to record this, uh, but I wasn't able to, to capture it. There was this guy, he was sitting down on this stone ledge, and he had an open bag of Garrett's popcorn just kind of sitting beside him. He was taking a handful uh, of popcorn out of the bag and just eating some of the popcorn, just kind of sitting there observing things that were happening uh, around him. And all of a sudden, this bird comes flying in, grabs a piece of popcorn, and goes flying away. But typically, God, uh, birds fly, and God provides for them. Now, I want you to notice this, that birds don't worry but they do work. Our neighbors, they have these beautiful gardens and beautiful flowers. There's a hummingbird feeder, and we'll sit on the back deck, and we'll see these hummingbirds flying all around, sticking their beaks in there and just kind of getting something to, to eat, some food. And, and they're just busy. They're flying around. They're, they're, their wings are going like a mile, a million miles a minute. And you look outside and you see these birds, they're flying around all over the place just doing their thing. And they don't worry, but they certainly do work. You don't see birds just kind of opening their beaks towards heaven and saying, Come on, God, drop something into my mouth here. They're out working, but they don't worry. They know that God is going to provide for them and that he's going to provide through the work that they do. What Jesus says is very clear. Look again at the end of verse 26. He says, are you not of more value than they? You see, if God provides for the birds, then he'll provide for you. Because God cares about you even more than he cares about the birds. And when you understand, when you begin to wrap your mind around God's care and his love for you, worry can be released. I don't have to worry because I have a loving Heavenly Father and He cares about me and he, He's going to take care of me. He cares uh, about me more than He cares about the birds. And so that's one reason why you don't have to worry that God loves you. He's going to take care of you. 
If he takes care of the birds, he's certainly going to take care of you. But Jesus talks about a second reason why we don't have to worry. There in verse 27, and it says this, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Worry accomplishes nothing. You cannot add anything to your life by worrying. There might not be any sin that is more worthless than worry. Worry does not accomplish anything. Some of you are world champion warriors, and yet you don't get a gold medal for that. You don't gain any great accomplishment from all of the worrying that you've done. And really, what's kind of ironic is that when you are anxious and you worry, you don't add anything to your life. Worry actually takes away things from your life. I mean, how many people have their lives shortened by being anxious and worried? And it eats them up spiritually and physically and emotionally. You cannot add to your life by worrying. What will actually happen is that you'll actually take away from your life by worrying. So there, that's the second reason why worry is unuseful, is actually useless. <laughs> There's a third reason, and Jesus says this beginning in verse 28. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Friends, I guarantee that you have never seen a flower worry. And yet God decks them out in their, the, these most beautiful ways, more beautiful than any of us. As a matter of fact, I, I just love this picture here that Jesus gives in verse 30 when he says, God so clothes the grass of the field. I, I mean, you, you can just picture this. Jesus is sitting there on the hillside, the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. There's all this grass, green grass everywhere that he looks and he sees these flowers as being used to clothe the grass. And it's as if God looks down from heaven and he says, you know what? This grass is too plain. It needs some clothes. And so I'm going to deck it out in these beautiful flowers all around. And that's exactly what he does. The flowers didn't do anything. God took care of it. And that is what can happen for us when we put our hope and our confidence in a loving and gracious Heavenly Father. That we release the worry that torments our lives. As a matter of fact, Jesus throws in this little phrase there at the end of verse 30 that challenges us even more. Did you notice it there? He says, Oh, you of little faith. And you know what? I just wonder what this must have looked like as Jesus originally spoke this to this audience there that day. Maybe Jesus looked at a particular individual who was plagued by worry kind of locked eyes with them, and I'm going to make sure not to lock eyes with any of you right now, but he, he says, Oh, you of little faith. Love what Charles Spurgeon would say about this. He said, A little faith is not a little sin, because it defames our great God and Father. I mean, can you imagine what our little faith says about the God that we serve? Our little faith says, You can't trust God. He won't take care of you. Our little faith says, you better worry about that because God is not really in charge here. I mean, can you imagine if you, your children would treat you the way that you sometimes treat your heavenly father and your God? 
Can you imagine a five-year-old boy coming up to his father and saying, Hey, Dad, you know, we need to talk here a little bit. I, I'm very worried about the electric bill this month. Um, you know, it's been summertime. It's been, been very hot. Um, we've been running the air conditioning and the fans an awful lot. I think we need to turn the air conditioning off because, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to have enough money to pay the electric bill this month. What do you think that the father would say to the son in that situation? I imagine a father looking at his son and saying, Hey, hey, son, you live in my house. The electric is there for you to enjoy. You don't have to worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. And isn't that the same way that our Heavenly Father speaks to us? He says, listen, I, I, I'll take care of this. You can, you can let go of your worries. You're a son. You're a daughter in, in my house. You don't need to have such little faith. Again, I like what Charles Spurgeon says here about this. He says, oh, little faith, learn better manners. Let me say that again. Oh, little faith, learn better manners. It's like our little faith is being impolite towards God who has done so much for us. That's why Jesus continues by saying this in verses 31 and 32. Look at what he says. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Jesus invites every one of his disciples to live a life that is free from torment of worry, free from the anxiety that comes back again and again and again. Now, I'm not trying to say that if you're a disciple of Jesus that you will never feel worry or anxiety. That would be a crazy thing to say because many of us know what this is like in our lives. But here is the picture. When the worry or the anxiety comes, what do we do? Well, we deliver it. We give it back over to the Heavenly Father who cares about us. We do what Peter would say later on in one of his letters. I love this phrase. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, he says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That You say, God, you know what? I have this thing that I care so much about in my life, and so I'm going to cast it on you. You know what? I'm going to put it on your shoulders because my shoulders just aren't big enough to take care of it, aren't big enough to carry it. I'm glad that I don't have to worry about this. And every time that I feel this anxiety rising or this worry surging, I'm just going to deliver it all back over to you, God. But all of this comes back to a basic perception that we have of material things where we put material things in their proper place. If, we, if what we eat or drink or wear, what we drive, where we live, the lifestyle that we have, if all of those things are too important for us, we are going to be prone to worry about them more than what we should. Some of you have heard the name of this famous commentator who lived about 300 years ago now. His name is Matthew Henry. I remember reading something about Matthew Henry once that uh, just really showed the wonderful attitude that a believer can have towards material things. A and he wrote this as a prayer after he was robbed one day. 
So somebody came up and mugged Matthew Henry. I mean, if you could imagine that. They mugged him, they robbed him, and this is what Henry's prayer was afterwards. We're going to put this up on the screen so that you can kind of see it for yourself. But here's what he says. Lord, I thank thee. Lord, I thank you. And you think, well, why would anybody thank God after they had just been robbed? Well, Matthew Henry thought of four reasons why he should thank the Lord after he had been robbed. Number one, he says, I thank you that I was never robbed before. That's a nice thing to thank the Lord for, right? Like, Lord, I got robbed today, but I've never been robbed before, and I just want to thank you for that. Number two, he said, I'm going to thank you that although they took my purse, although they took my money, they did not take my life. That's a nice thing to thank the Lord for, right? Number three, I thank you because although they took my all, it wasn't very much. I like that way of thinking. (laughs) And then finally, he said this, Lord, I thank you because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. He looked at this man who had robbed him and he said, you know what? It it, it could have been worse off. I could have been worse off. I could have been someone who was not just having my money taken from me, but I could have actually been the one who was stealing something from somebody else. That would have been worse. Friends, that's the heart that knows how to understand material things and to put them in the proper place. A heart that understands that there are spiritual concerns that are far greater than material concerns. And Jesus puts an emphasis on this when he says in verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things. Jesus was speaking to this large crowd, and this large crowd consisted of mostly Jewish people from the, from the region of Galilee. And when Jesus talked about the Gentiles, he was talking about people who don't believe in God, people who don't trust God. What Jesus is saying is, listen, when, when you're so worried about material things, you're living like someone who does not know God. You're living like someone who does not have a Father in Heaven who cares about them. You, you're living as someone who does not have a Father who can be trusted and, to, and can be relied upon. Friends, I know that these are strong words, and yet I think we need to hear them today. It is a disgrace for disciples of Jesus Christ to have the same worries over material things that those who don't know God have. Let me say that again. It is a disgrace for disciples of Jesus Christ to have the same worries over material things that those who don't know God have. We have a loving Heavenly Father who cares for us, who takes care of us. We we, we should believe that. We should trust Him. We should find a peace that comes from that. Now, in in verse 33, Jesus kind of sums this all up. He tells us something that we should do instead of being anxious about material things. And I want to just encourage you. This is a great verse to memorize. This is a great verse to meditate on. Look at what he says here, Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is a verse that I memorized as a young boy, and in fact there was even a song that went along with that, helped to help you to learn it along with this. But 
What a powerful truth for us to be reminded of. That if we seek first the kingdom of God, seek first his righteousness, and everything else is going to be taken care of. Now, I think that a lot of people often hear this. They, they think, you know what, this is just another thing to put on your to-do list. Like, you know what, I'm sure that now I have to go and set aside some time to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the person's thinking, like, seriously? I mean, I already have a job to worry about. I have a family. I have bills to pay. I have all these practical things to do and concerns that I have in my life. And now you're telling me that I also have to be concerned about the kingdom of God and his righteousness? I mean, I just don't have enough time to do all of these things. Friends. If that is the way that you're thinking about this, then you're thinking about it all wrong. Here is how we need to think about it. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's like the overarching principle that goes goes everywhere that we go in life with everything that we do in life. It covers everything. In other words, you don't have to choose between seeking first the kingdom of God and doing your job well. You don't have to choose between seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and being a good parent. No. Being a good employee, being a good and godly parent is how you seek the kingdom of God in your life. You know, it's kind of like having an umbrella. And I brought one with me here this morning. But it's kind of like having an umbrella. And this umbrella kind of represents the kingdom of God. That everywhere you go and everything that you do, you're doing it all under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. That that it's his agenda. And it's his values. And it's his priorities that affect everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you think. And we need to be reminded that this statement is in a context here because Jesus is saying that the material objects around you, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, what you drive, where you live, it's not worth, worthy of living your life for. But God's kingdom, now that is worthy of living our lives for. We have something bigger to live for than just the material things of this world and this life. We have been given the kingdom of God to live for. And that is to influence everything about the way that we think and the way that we live here in this world. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say that God does not care about material things, because he does. I mean, just a few verses earlier, Matthew chapter 6, that that part where Jesus tells us how to pray, and he says, give us this day our daily bread. God cares about the material needs in your life, and that's why you can free yourself from worry, because he is going to take care of you. You, you, you you. You don't want to miss this here, because the same God who says, Pray this way, give us this day our daily bread. He also says, man shall not live by bread alone. And he gives us something higher. He gives us something better to live for. What does Jesus do? Well, he gives us a beautiful command. But he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just tell us to, hey, you know what? You need to stop worrying. He doesn't just say, hey, stop it, stop worrying, stop being anxious. You just need to stop that right now. No, he doesn't just do that. He gives you something to replace it with. 
He says, I want you to replace your worry. I want you to replace your anxiety with a greater concern for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And how do we do that? Well, you read the Bible. You make its priorities your priorities. You consider that you are a man or a woman made in the image of God and you were made for more than just the material world, the material life. You are a man or a woman who is truly spiritual in life. You take care of your physical body. You eat, you drink, you put on clothes. So what are you doing to feed your spirit? What are you doing to enhance and to grow and to mature and to become a person who is more concerned about spiritual things? Now, what's so great about this is that in many ways I'm preaching to the choir Because we're here on a Sunday morning, and we are here for a spiritual reason. We are here to learn, we're here to grow, we're here to worship, which is such a beautiful thing. And maybe for some of you, you need to be reminded that it's not just a Sunday thing, but that this is something that you need to grow in throughout the week, throughout your life. So that that we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, not just on Sundays, But we do it every day that we've been given. Now, this choice to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness is a choice that each and every single person makes when they repent of their sin and they come to faith in Jesus Christ. But it's not just a one-time thing. This is something that we need to continue to do daily, moment by moment, throughout our lives as we follow after Jesus Christ. Let me conclude with this, verse 34. This, this verse is for those who just say, you know what, I have to worry. Don't raise your hand here this morning, but you say, Jason, I just can't stop. I have to worry. I have to be anxious. I'm just one of those kind of people. Okay, if that's you, well, then Jesus has some words for you. Verse 34, he says this, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If you must worry, then put an expiration date on all of your worries. Worry only about the things of today. If it's about tomorrow, then you need to say, hey, no, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to cross it off my list. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm not going to worry about the past. I'm only going to worry about today. Do you realize how much time and energy is wasted worrying about the past that you can't change or worrying about the future or the future that you can't change? If you must worry, just worry about the here and now. Sometimes uh, some of Satan's most subtle and powerful deceptions upon us is to get us to either live in the past or to live in the future. Certainly, God wants us to think about the past and to have some thought for the future, but He wants us to live in the present. You have today before God. Live for His kingdom today, and you will be amazed at how God takes care of you along the way. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You know, as I was thinking about all of this, I I couldn't help but to think about what Jesus did for us in order to solve and take care of, deal with our biggest problem, our greatest need, our sin against the holy God of the universe. 
If there's ever been something for us to be worried about, to be anxious over, it is that we were separated from God, that we were headed towards a crisis eternity, and and there is nothing that we could do in our own strength and in our own power about it. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, provided a way for us to be reunited with him through the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, we are told that those who receive this free gift of God's grace will have an an eternal reward that awaits them. And friends, if God cares about you that much, and has the ability to take care of the greatest of all needs in your life, he certainly can take care of those things that are so much lesser. You can trust that he loves you and that he is going to take care of you today. And friend, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious about those things. Let's pray.